name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the fifth Sunday of Thawut, and as is the custom in, or the tradition in the Coptic Church, because there's typically only four Sundays in, in a Coptic month, and a month with five Sundays is considered extra blessing, so we read the Gospel of the Blessing. And today we, we read the Gospel of the Lord's Blessing of the five loaves and the two fish. And this miracle is one of the few miracles mentioned in all four of the Gospels. It's Matthew chapter 14. It's easy to remember. Matthew chapter 14, Mark 6, Luke 9, and John 6. So Mark 6 and John 6, Matthew 14, and Luke 9. And Luke 9 we read every day in the ninth hour. So Yanni, Matthew 14 is the only extra one there. So Matthew 14, Mark 6, Luke 9, John 6. And if we piece these three, or the, these Gospels, the four Gospels together, we can see an interesting dialogue that took place between our Lord Jesus Christ and the disciples. So I imagine the conversation took place something like this. In the Gospel of St. John, the one we read today, the Lord said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? And he said this to test him, for he knew himself what he would do. And Philip answered and said, Two hundred denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that everyone may have them a little. Then if you turn to the other Gospels, it's written that the disciples came to him, so I imagine now they came to him, and they said, This is a deserted place, and the hour is late. Send the multitudes away. Like we, we already said, you know, we don't have money to pay for them. Send them away. That they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. But then Jesus said something amazing to them. He said to them, they do not need to go away. You give them to eat. You give them something to eat. And that's what I want to speak about today. I see this gospel as a gospel about service, about the disciples giving them something to eat, giving them something to eat. The Lord gave this responsibility to the disciples that they were to go and feed this multitude. And if we are truly disciples of the Lord then we also, we have this responsibility. We have the responsibility to feed one another. We have a responsibility to feed one another. We have a responsibility to care for one another. We have a responsibility to love one another. At the end of the gospel, at the end of the gospel, the Lord Jesus Christ and St. Peter, they had a very interesting conversation. And the Lord Jesus Christ asks St. Peter, and he says, Do you love me? Simon Barjona, do you love me? And Simon said, Lord, you know I love you. And what was the response of the Lord? Feed my, feed my sheep. You give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. And he did this three times. The second time, do you love me? He said, tend my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. 
To love the Lord, if you want to, if you love the Lord, you have to feed the feed the sheep, tend to the sheep. And I think oftentimes, especially in our culture these days, we forget our responsibility to our neighbor. We become too focused on ourselves. We've become too focused on our shogl and our work and all the stuff and even our own comforts that we forget about this responsibility that we have to each other to feed each other, feed my sheep. In a sense, we become like Cain. Cain, who said, am I my brother's keeper? He doesn't want to share with his brother. He didn't want to share with his brother. So he said, I'm not my brother's keeper. And Cain spilled the blood of his brother. Spilled the blood of his brother. And when he spilled the blood of his brother and killed his brother, he killed himself. He killed himself because he didn't serve his brother. He brought this condemnation upon himself. And we will suffer the same fate as Cain, unfortunately, God forbid, if we do not feed one another, if we do not care for one another. Because we are brothers. We are brothers. Brothers are people who share the same blood. They share the same blood. And we all drink from the same... Not now, Bastiani, we did. We all... Yeah, we do still. We drink from the same cup. We all drink the same blood. And this blood unites us to be one family, to be brothers together. And if God is truly our Father, and we are truly His sons, then we are... Truly, brothers with one another. And this concept of brotherhood is so remarkable. It's so remarkable. Because this brotherhood has no like limitations. If you remember when Ananias went to see St. Paul after he saw the Lord on the road to Damascus, the first words that Ananias said to St. Paul said... How did he call him? Brother Saul. Brother Saul. He took Saul, who was this murderer of the Christians, the persecuting the church, and he called him brother. They became brothers because their belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. He saw him as sons together. So we are all brothers. We are all brothers. Actually, in the New Testament, there's an epistle of St. Paul... And the theme of this epistle is brotherhood. Anyone know this epistle? Ulu. Huh? Test. It's a very short epistle. Had you Haga? Huh? Huh? Starts with a P. Philemon. The book of Philemon is a book about that we are all brothers. We are all brothers because it's a story about a runaway slave named Onesimus. And St. Paul sends him back to his master, Philemon, and says, when he sends him back, he says, For perhaps Onesimus, this slave of yours, departed for a while, just for a small time. He ran away for you, from you for just a small time. That you might receive him forever, no longer as a slave. No longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother. 
a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you both in the flesh in the Lord. And what's so beautiful in the tradition of the church is that both Onesimus, this slave, and Philemon, the master, very different social class, very different backgrounds, very different everything, actually they both became bishops in the early church. They were both brothers. They became brothers. And this is what brotherhood in the church is like. Brotherhood in the church knows no race or nationality, knows no gender, knows no nothing. True brotherhood in the church is through belief in the Lord Jesus Christ and we all become brothers. So now we have a responsibility to these brothers to feed them, to tend to them, feed my sheep. You give them something to eat. I hope today you feel the gravity of this responsibility. You feel the gravity of this responsibility to to feed your brother. I want you to look around and not look beyond maybe your friends and the people that are sitting next to you. Look, Bosso, look, Kira, Kira, Kira. Look, look around. Shuf, Shufu, Nest. And see, ask yourself how you serve them, how you feed them. How? This is one community, one body. You have a responsibility to feed each other. And this is the main message of Scripture, that we feed one another. You know, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. Hey, Akira, that's it. And now, these days, I'm studying the epistle of Galatians with the, the young professionals. We saw that the Galatians, they were so fixated on following the law. They want to do circumcision. They want to do all these things. And you know what St. Paul tells them? <laughs> he says, you want to fulfill the law? How can you fulfill the law? Love your brother. Love your brother. If you really want to fulfill, forget about circumcision, forget about eating kosher. He says, fulfill the law by loving your brother. You have this responsibility. You have this responsibility. This is not an easy task to love our brothers. It's not easy. And actually, I mean, do you think it was easy to feed 5,000 men? think it was an easy task to feed 5,000? Yeah, no, it's a big task to feed me. <laughs> Imagine now 5,000 men. It's very difficult. Very difficult. And actually, Philip, he tried to run away from this responsibility. He said, I don't want <laughs> I can't. He said, 200 denarii worth of bread? I can't. Like, no way we can feed. This is too big. This task is way too big for me. I can't do this. And oftentimes we try to get out of this responsibility of loving our brothers by saying, this responsibility is too, too hard, it's too big for me, I can't do it, I can't do it. And we use this excuse to excuse ourselves from our responsibilities from our brethren. And this is exactly what the devil wants, exactly, exactly what the devil wants. He wants us to give up. And say, and say, this task is beyond, it's too difficult. He wants us to lose hope. He wants us to lose hope. He wants us to feel the problem is too big, and that any effort that you do will be a waste of time. That's why it, oftentimes the servants, they come, and then they find, no, 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 it's a waste of time. A waste of time. What am I doing here? It's a waste of time. It's a waste of time. And this is the number one attack on the servants. What waste of thought? What am I doing? This is not, I'm not doing anything. 
And the devil he loves to make problems big like this to take us out of the service. And for us to give up. But if you love me, you will feed my sheep. You will feed my sheep. Not to be, not, don't ever give up. Be fueled by the love of God. I'm concerned these days that church has become a spectator sport. Church has become a spectator sport. We come to the liturgy as spectators. Spectators. That's why these days, and I'm very strict, my deacon, Shwaya. Deacons, they have to come early. And they should learn hymns. And they should be examples of purity. And they should be attached to their Bible. Otherwise, this beautiful Tonya right here, this white beautiful Tonya, has no meaning. Otherwise, it has no meaning. It's just like uh, yani something we do for propriety. Just like a mask. Kind of, yani, just for, just for, for propriety. Because it has purpose. And the purpose is, like, we, we're not spectators, we're active. I want to give up and become spectators. You have a purpose, you have a role in this. Imagine going to a football game or a basketball game. Until you'd show up to the basketball game at halftime. Imagine the athletes in the football game. They would show up at halftime. I'm just coming after the first quarter. I don't need to attend the first quarter. I'm going to come at the end of the first quarter. Ida. Until you're part of the team or you're not part of the team? Until you're part of the brethren? So you like, have to like, have this feeling that we are not spectators. We are not spectators. We are participants. And Philip was not... He was going to become a spectator, but no, he didn't. He didn't become a spectator. He became a participant. And then the Lord put him to work and said, Now you will distribute all of these things, all of this, this food to, to the brethren. Some people, they have this opinion of the church that they can come to the church. The spectators come take communion, but I don't want to have anything to do with anyone. Yeah? And I wonder, who taught this theology? Who, who taught that theology? Who? Where do you, who learned? And I want to know. Which Bible do you read? The Bible and I read, I've never seen the Bible. That I come to church, I take communion, and I, I, I don't want to have anything to do with anybody. This is not in the Bible. It's against the brotherhood. It's against the service of the church. You guys see that? Well, uh, St. Paul, he calls the Christian a soldier. He calls him an athlete. He calls him uh, like a farmer. All of these things. He's not a spectator. I want to be spectators. You have a role. You have a purpose in the church. One of the beautiful things about the, the, the gospel today, another lesson we can learn, is that sometimes, although the problem is so big, you might not have the answer. Philip, he didn't have the answer. He didn't know what was going to happen. But the gospel says, is that the Lord, he knew what he was going to, to do. If we are in the service, we might not have the answers. But all we do is we... Show up. We do what the Lord says. We obey the Lord's command. We operate with what God has given us and we trust that He will 
multiply. It's written that St. Andrew brought this young boy who had five barley loaves and two small fish. And this young boy reminds me of ourselves. Because I often say, I have nothing. Really, if you think about any servant and what he has to offer, what does he have to offer? He offers, he has nothing. We all have nothing. I have nothing. You have, we all have nothing. I have two small fish. Yadov, just enough for my lunch, and that's enough. But when we offer it to the Lord, the Lord, He multiplies it. When we put it in the Lord's hands, He can do wonders with it. And this is a great lesson for us in the service. We might not have very much to offer. But even if we offer very little and we put it in the Lord's hands, He will bless it. He will bless it. And the important thing that Yanni, I want us to see is that everything in this world starts small. Everything in this world starts small. Yet even in the secular world, Yanni, even if you think about the, the biggest companies that exist these days, the Apples, the Facebooks, there was a time when all of these people, they lived in garages. And the, the richest man in the world, he was the poorest man in the world. Not the poorest, but Yanni, you get the idea. And he started off with nothing. And through diligence and through patience and through hard work, even in the secular world, their efforts were rewarded immensely. And if this is true in the secular world, where things start very small, how much more is that true here in the spiritual world? That's why the Lord, what does He say? He says the kingdom of heaven is like a... Mustard seed. So your service might be very, 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 very small. But it has to start somewhere. It has to start with something. So offer this mustard seed. And then this mustard seed grows into a big tree. And many can live in this mustard seed. It offers shelter to so many. The last thing that I want to leave you with the service is that many people feel... And this is something yeah, is, is true and not true at the same time. Is that in order to serve, I must be served. And this is true. But I want us to see something. I was thinking about this. Do you think the disciples, they ate before they served or they went out and served first? And I'm thinking they... They had 5,000 angry men that are... So they went and served first. And even the service... I mean, they were full. And a couple of things. One is they had just returned from a service. Like if you put the context in the other gospel, they had just come back from like their missionary service. And then the Lord took them into a deserted place. They thought they were going to have a re relaxing time. No. And then he put them in more service. Then they have this pressure, 5,000 people hungry. I, I imagine that they served first. And after they served, they picked up everything. And guess what they had? Twelve baskets? Why twelve? Shen ha, my turn to eat. My turn to eat. My turn to eat. The Lord's not going to leave you empty. It's like Elijah when he met the widow. Who ate first? Elijah. And when she served him, she became 
the, widow, the, the oil didn't run out. The flour didn't run out. So service does an opportunity to become full. It's an opportunity to become full. And the more we dig, and the more we dig into... This is an opportunity for us to become full. So don't see the service as... Like I'm draining. No, see this as a time to be filled. Filled with the word of God. Filled with opportunity to love brethren. To receive like... This is the purpose of the gospel. Yeah? I hope we feel this responsibility. We feel this gravity. God, He'll take care of us. He he left the 12 baskets for them. And they had plenty to eat afterward. And He'll take care of us all. And glory be to God forever. Amen.